What's up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Professional Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Gunter, and we are joined this week, ladies and gentlemen, by the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Eisman. I wonder if he's ever been introduced that way. Matt, uh, you might recognize him. He is the host of four-time Emmy-nominated show, American Ninja Warrior on NBC. He's also currently the host of Live Rescue on a and a really interesting program. Uh, documenting what a lot of these folks on the front lines are doing to help keep us safe each and every day. He's also the host of the podcast game show, Factorious, as if he did not have enough on his plate already. Uh, He's also a regular guest and contestant on 25 Words or Less. Uh, And my favorite, he also holds the distinguished title of being the final champion of the Celebrity Apprentice the one hosted by Arnold Schwarzenegger. He tells some pretty great stories about the uh, budding friendship that resulted from that. And as if I needed any more reasons to love Arnold Schwarzenegger, apparently he's even nicer in person. He's also been a champion on the lip sync battle on the Paramount Network. And you know what? I'll say this. He probably doesn't love me lean with this, but go and watch it on YouTube because it might be one of the best displays of just pure charisma and stage presence that I've ever seen. Uh, and after I told Sonia that he uh, did renditions of Cher and Meatloaf, uh, he was immediately her favorite guest to date, with the exception of Glenn Walkham. We love you, Glenn. Let's see. He's also a national headlining stand-up comedian, so you may have even seen him in a city near you. And uh, I'll tell you what. I've had some past episodes that have been truly inspirational, but man... Did I find this one motivating? So Matt was actually a doctor in residency before he made the drastic career change, uh, you know, to pursue a career in entertainment. And he shares what he views as the approach that kind of helped him break through and the dedication and work ethic that has kind of like led to him becoming one of the most well-recognized TV personalities in America. So really inspiring, no matter what your walk of life or your goal is, I think there's just so much that you can take away from this one. Uh, And so on that note, shameless plug, don't forget to stick around when I run these takeaways by my wife with the very lovely and fertile Sonia Gunter. Uh, There's some Slapshot references. We also uh, describe our marriage. Uh, She chooses to use the words toughest job to date, but uh, overall just a lot of good, clean fun. With that, if you are enjoying the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Uh, We certainly appreciate it. It helps. If you want to reach out to me directly, uh, you can do so and follow us on Instagram at the underscore professional athlete. You can also get in touch with me at KenGunter.com. Love hearing from you. Really appreciate all the tremendous positive feedback. We're having such an absolute blast doing this. So I'm so grateful to hear that, that people are enjoying it as well and taking a lot from it. So, all right, folks, without further ado, let's start the show. I gotta get up. I got too much to do. Yeah, I gotta get going. I gotta talk to you. It's time to start the show. Matt, man, thank you for joining the show. My pleasure, Ken. I'm so pumped. We were just catching up before this. Uh, we actually met at Princeton on the college uh, on the cottage balustrade over a couple beers. 
This couldn't and, sound uh, more pretentious, could it? <laughs> it was football weekend. Uh, Princeton was doing battle with, I believe, the Crimson of Harvard. Yeah, I think it yeah. actually was the Harvard game. I actually think the game was going on while we were drinking. That's how compelling <laughs> Ivy League sports in general are. I say this as an Ivy League athlete. So <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and that's a good place to start because we were just catching up. You yeah. played uh, played Princeton, and you were just telling me it had a uh, pretty remarkable end to your career. Yeah. Well, it, it really, I mean, technically it wasn't the end. It was sophomore year, but it was, uh, I played baseball all four years. Sophomore year was the the pinnacle. We, we, we won the league, the, the Eastern intercontinental baseball league, which was the Ivy plus army and Navy. We got to go to the college world series regionals. And I got to be on the mound for the clinching game against Dartmouth, Bob Bennett, who was the top guy. I think he was drafted, um, had a complete game, like one run, three, three, three hits. And I got the game ball. And the coolest part was my dad, who, uh, you know, the, for my, some of my first memories were playing catch in the backyard with my dad. Just yeah. he was always there, always throwing the ball, coaching baseball. And to, to be on the mound and to win the game, to get the game ball, walk over and hand it to my dad. And my dad still has that game ball like in, in, a, in a pedestal, in, in yeah. a golden pedestal <laughs> on his dresser. And I'm it was th- cool. I'm thinking it, of like the Sandlot signed ball with Babe Ruth. <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was more like, you know, Wonder Boy in the natural. But yeah, probably more than Sandlot was <laughs> was appropriate for Ivy League baseball. Uh, it was great. And, and after that, I stunk. I couldn't throw a strike. I think I, I actually hold the record at Princeton for most walks, uh, which <laughs> my, my teammates, of course, pointed out to me because that's what friends do. They found the data Absolutely. a few years ago and sent that along. Like, look, you hold a record, not one you actually <laughs> want to hold, but uh, yeah. Wild. Not- notable it. nonetheless. Yeah. Notable. You know, it's good to leave your mark uh, in you know, sports. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Timeless. Well, you know, in addition to your baseball background, what I didn't realize is that you were actually, and actually are a doctor. Yes. And yeah. so not only is your you never like- know meeting me, you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't. Yeah. So I, I, after Princeton, I went to medical school at Columbia, New York, got my MD, uh, graduated with honors and see, you know, by all accounts was, was a respectable young doctor. And I was doing my residency in Colorado when I just had an epiphany that my heart wasn't in it. And, and it was, I remembered it was, it was January 99. I was, I was working in the intensive care unit. It was probably two in the morning. We were getting slammed patient after patient. I think we had like seven new admits and I'm working them up. And I was with the second year who's like, Hey man, you, you just got to start writing orders. You, you got to make some calls. Yeah. And I, as I'm doing it, I, I'm just thinking like, I didn't feel like I was, I, I just didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. And I felt like, my God, people's lives are in my hand. And all I want to do is go home, sleep, play Nintendo 64 GoldenEye or go skiing. And, and I just thought, I don't, bel- this is not, I don't belong here. And I, it was, it was just that realization that medicine isn't a job, it's a calling and, and, mm. and you don't do it as, as, as a nine to five. And I just realized my heart wasn't in it. And that was when I knew I, I got to reevaluate because it wasn't good for my patients, but it wasn't good for me because I, I didn't like the feeling going into the hospital feeling like I didn't belong or that I wasn't hundred percent committed. It's a horrible yeah. feeling. Yeah. To feel like you're letting these people down with this sacred trust of they're putting their lives in your hand. So Absolutely. I decided to take a year off and reevaluate. And and, and I I thought, look, you just got to grow up. You're you're so immature. You right. just got to realize, you know, become an adult, be, become a man, and, and and be responsible and be a doctor. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to take a year off. I needed, to, I wanted to clear my mind. I, I done all I done was school and sports my whole life. Yeah. And so I thought I want to do something creative, just 
clear my mind. Mm. And so I'd done stand-up a couple times with med school in New York. And I thought, I'm, I'm going to move out to L.A. And instead of being a surf bum or touring the world, I'm, I'm going to do stand-up for a year, get it out of my system, grow up and come back and be an adult. And instead, I got out to L.A. And it was like three weeks in, maybe less, where I just n- knew this was what I was meant to do. Now, mind you, I'm going to open mics. If you don't know what an open mic is, oh. it's where comedians go to work out. It's the gym. And you're sitting there with other comics, you know, in coffee stores, in hookah joints, horrible, <laughs> horrible show. These were terrible shows. Right. And I still fell in love with it. And I was lucky enough because of baseball, actually, because because uh, I had a friend who knew I was a baseball player. I got I got cast as a ringer on Drew Carey in an episode as a favor to a friend. And there I got a commercial Amazing. agent. I got into commercials. So I was making six or seven times what I was making as a resident within a few months. Yeah. And and I'm. I am. I, I was so happy. I didn't have a page. I didn't have. I didn't have real life responsibilities. I didn't have life and death decisions weighing me down. Instead, right. I'm doing something where I thought, I, you know, with medicine, I wanted to help people, and and in comedy, it's obviously you're you're not saving lives, but at the same time, you're you're making them feel better. You're you're, you're entertaining them, and it was just like this. I think this is why I wanted to go into medicine. Yeah. And uh, I wish I would have realized before med school, it would have been cheaper, but cheaper. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of one of those epiphanies. And I was lucky enough. I was very lucky that I was young enough. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. Hmm. So I could kind of take that risk. And the other thing, that, the, the biggest thing, though, was that my parents were supportive because, yeah. you know, the, the hardest part, once I had that epiphany, it took me two months to tell my dad. My dad is a world renowned physician. He was a professor at the University of Colorado where I was training. Oh, wow. and, yeah. So, you know, and, and I think he saw me day to day and saw I wasn't happy, but I, I was terrified to tell him mm. because I thought, I, I thought he's going to say, well, I'm going to say, listen, I, I got to take a break from medicine. I want to go try comedy and clear my mind. I thought my dad, you know, if, if he'd said, you're crazy, right? You're not, you're, you're going to stay a doctor and you're going to grow up. I, I don't think I would have left, but instead I tell him, you know, I, I want to take a break. I want to go try stand up. I just want to I want to clear my brain. I'm not happy. And my dad said the first thing he said, there's just this silence and you know, a, a couple seconds of silence after I told him and he and my mom are sitting there. My dad says, life is short. Do what makes you happy. That's hmm. all your mom and I want. And my mom's like, yeah, go be happy. You know, we, we you've got your education. We believe it. And I think they probably thought he'll come back. He'll come right. back. <laughs> they probably regret it. They're like, oh, we'll give him a little line. He'll come back. And instead, yeah. I I got lucky. I, I fell in love with what I did. I, I I had success and I never looked back. And I, you know, I kept setting when I came out, I also kind of set some some criteria to stay. Cause I, I didn't want to just come out here five years later, you know, be working as mopping floors or something saying with an MD going, well, I'm, you know, next year I'm going to make it. It was look financially, you have to start showing, you know, supporting yourself and you have to start seeing progress in your career. And I just kept exceeding the criteria I set. And so it just kept making being easier and easier to stay. And I just kept falling more and more in love with what I was doing. And I think as I look around now, I love, what I do. I love hosting American Ninja Warrior. I love hosting Live Rescue. I love doing stand-up comedy. I love getting to go on podcasts. I, it, it's ridiculous. It's 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 so much fun doing something you love yeah. every day. And I feel so fortunate, particularly during these times, during this pandemic, that we found a way 
We got to film Ninja Warrior during the pandemic. I'm I'm shooting live rescue from my backyard. We I set up a studio in my guest uh, guest uh, the, the old garage. Right. And, and I'm working. I'm working, and I love what I do, and I see how lucky I am to get to do it. Particularly because my friends who are doctors are literally on the front lines. Some of them have contracted COVID in the hospitals. Yeah. And I see the difference of men that what they do is so wonderful. I'm glad they are there, and I'm glad I am here. Right. So, I mean, how how difficult was it for you to make that decision to jump into comedy? Because I know you the, said you're, you're worried about telling your dad, but I mean, it, that mental uh, barrier to get over. Yeah, Ken, it, you know, I knowing, think it was, yeah. I sensed something, right? I sensed something wasn't right inside of me. There just was mm. this incongruity of, I, I I know, you know, this this is a sacred trust. I know there should be some more confidence. There should be some more passion here. So I'd sense that for a while. And then, you know, it kind of, it was that January night where it dawned on me, like, my God, maybe I don't belong here. Not, not mm. with, not with the way I'm feeling. So I think that once that realization happened, it, it took two months for me to kind of come to grips with, I got to do something about it. And that was, you know, telling my dad was the, was really the first step. And it, it was two months of kind of agonizing over, you know, can I just, can I just sh- shoulder through, you know, can I just right. muscle through this and, and grow up? Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I think that was the toughest part was to, to say, to try to listen to what, what was coming from inside of me yeah. and to listen to that and say, may, you know, maybe there's another way, maybe there's something else. And I, it wasn't as though I was convinced it was comedy or entertainment. I, I didn't know that only, done it a few times. I just felt like I want to try something totally different. Just shake it up and just see what happens. And I stumbled into something that, that I just ended up loving. And, and you know, that, that is fortunate. I think a lot of people spend their lives searching for it. I, I always say like, you know, you could have been the greatest violin player in the world, but maybe you never picked up a violin. Yeah. And I think, and I think that time, that's, I, I look at it, I look at the way I was brought up and I think, you know, there was, there was a value placed on on excellence and 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 success and not I, I don't feel like in a way that was oppressive, but it was just like, hey, yeah. do your best. Try your hardest. And and there were things that you that came naturally or things that were kind of expected that you did. But I, I don't know that I always said try everything. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't do entertainment. I didn't do the arts in school. That's what I was going to um, ask I, you. Yeah, I never did. And, and it, you know, I, I think I'd always kind of. It's funny. I, I I think there was a part of me. Look, I, I was a younger brother. I was definitely I love being the center of attention, like on the sports teams. I would love, you know, doing Rocky, the Rocky. Oh, gets you know, going to come back. I would do like the whole 14th and 15th round act out. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Rambo speeches. So I like performing, but I never saw it as something you would do. So the, I think yeah. there were signs all along. You know, if you ask my friends, like, oh, that, yeah, he's desperate for the spotlight. He clearly was meant to do this. <laughs> I didn't see it, though. So yeah. I, I think, you know, it's it's I, I just look at people and I think there was also, you know, when we were growing up, it was I, I think, hey, you work hard, you get a job, you go to college, get a job. At least a lot of my friends and I, that was kind of how we were raised. So I don't think yeah. it was, hey, man, you don't have to have life figured out. You know, you just get an education, improve your mind and then experience things like I, that wasn't the approach. And I, re- I remember in college, particularly, you, it felt like everybody had it figured out, even though I don't think oh. anyone really did. 
But nobody would talk about it. Everyone said, oh, I'm going into finance. I'm going into politics. I'm doing right. econ. I'm getting a job on Wall Street or I'm going to law school. Everyone seemed to figure it out. So to Absolutely. admit, like, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I think that was hard. And I think people are, are better at that now and being a little more open to, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a balancing act of making sure you work hard to have those opportunities, but then right. taking some time to do it. And so I, I, I think I, I never really thought to, to look up. I was yeah. always kind of just grinding, not realizing where I was going, just reaching that next step. And so, you know, I was lucky to kind of step off the, the treadmill and, and, and make this ridiculous career shift. And I, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm amazed that, that I did it. And, and I, I, don't, I, I don't regret the path I took. I hmm. think it really helped shape me and it gave me a really healthy appreciation and approach to Hollywood, having, having been in medicine where it truly is life and death to be out here where we treat everything like it's life and death. And right. to have that perspective of, hey, man, every every show I'm doing, everything's going to get canceled. Everything's going to come to an end. I'm going to get fired. I'm not going <laughs> to get things I want. And and you're going to be okay. And you're going to yeah. realize this isn't life and death. And and I think also having the discipline of having to do medical school and to work your ass off and to be able to handle grunt work and to be able to have people be brutally honest or, you know, condescending to you and be able to handle it. Well, I think, yeah. it, you know, that and really then, helped. Like, the lessons of sport, too, I think are, are so important. No, absolutely. And that's actually something I was going to ask you is, you know, going through that, that medical path, right. It's very regimented. Uh, you know, there's a clear start and finish. There's like an order of how you get through it. Yes. Um, everything is tested, quantified, et cetera. How was the transition moving to something like stand-up comedy? you know, it's, it's so subjective. Wide open. Subjective. Yeah. Art, art clearly is subjective. Entertainment is subjective. And yet, and yet the harder you work, hmm. the, you know, the luckier you get, right? That's, right. that's absolutely true. And I think that there is something of the other thing too, is what a marathon this is. So the very first hosting job I got was in 2004 on the E network. It was a show called screenplay, a, a fear factor knockoff show. And I got to I got to host it and uh, it tanked. It was dead after one season. <laughs> but that job allowed me to meet this casting director, Annie Roberts, who who then uh, a home makeover show was going through a, a personnel change. And and she said, hey, while we're casting someone permanently, just put Matt in. He's 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 good on his feet. Put him in this show. I ended up being on that show for five and a half years. We won a daytime Emmy. Yeah. That show led me to get that same cast director got me Sports Soup, which ah. is on Versus, which became NBC Sports, which was the sports version of the soup. But that show directly was what the makers of, of Ninja Warrior um, saw me on that show. And they said, this is a perfect guy to host. So the very first gig I got in 2004 led to the job Ninja Warrior that I have today. And I think that's one of those lessons of it. But it led that way because... I worked hard and people saw, saw, okay, he's reliable. He's professional. He'll, he'll deliver, you know, as, as, as much as he can, if you like what he does. <laughs> so I think that, 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 that kind of discipline of medicine and that ability to say, uh, to ride the highs and lows, uh, and to grind just to, to be able to put your nose down and really work hard, um, has, has served me, I, I think well, and, and give me a reputation that has allowed me to work quite a lot with people, I've worked with before or people hmm. I've met and who wanted to work with me. And that's the other thing too, is having that patience of you meet someone I got to do 
a, a show called Evil Live on the History Channel where Travis Pastrana recreated Evil Knievel's three biggest jumps live in, in Vegas. And I, I got to host watch, it. I remember watching I, that, yeah. And it was it's still one of my favorite gigs I've ever done. But I, I had a meeting five years before with the production company. And the guy said, I don't have anything right now, but I like you. I'll keep you in mind. Five years later, he calls. And I get to go to Vegas and be front and center with Pastrana. And I got an evil Knievel full leather suit. And it right. was just, it, it's those moments where you see, um, you know, I think you, you need to have a little longer perspective in life and realize, hey, man, you always want to keep these relationships up. And just because something isn't right right now or a year yeah. from now, be professional, be polite, be someone people want to work with and good things will happen. You'll get a lot luckier that way. And I think that's, you know, that's that's been one of the things that has so far worked worked well for me. And I think that that came from medicine was, was that idea of just work as hard as you can. And and my parents, I think always kind of instilled that. Well, and that's so great to hear. And I think that's one of the things that I've kind of learned, you know, in my own life, it's like, look, it can, it's very easy to start talking about all the ways that you can accomplish something. If you focus on the long-term end goal, Right. If it's like, Hey, I want to be the host of a major TV show. I want to be an internationally known stand-up comedian. It's like, man, that seems so daunting. Right. But it rather, if you can kind of take this approach of, Hey, look, I just got to take the one step who knows where this opportunity might lead. Who knows where that connection is going to come up a year or two down the road. Um, I'm not going to say it feels more attainable, but it's kind of like, it's a little more encouraging. Like, so even with this Go ahead. It, it is. And I think that's one of the things that that I had goals early on. I thought I was going to be more of a sitcom actor. I thought I was so hilarious. And and things went a different way. And I was, you know, I, I got into hosting and I ended up being like, wow, I, I like getting to be myself yeah. and, and, and getting to do that. And so I think um, I, I, I think there is, you know, you you control what you can control. And, and so I've been. The, the things you can control are really working hard and trying to be professional when you get opportunities. And the other thing mm. that I've done is I've said yes to a lot of things. And some things were things that didn't pay or things that seemingly had no future, but they were with people I liked or people I respected mm. or people who I wanted to build a relationship with. Because I think there, there is also, you know, a lot of people have confidence in their abilities, yeah. um, but there are a lot of super talented people out here. And so if you're waiting for people to discover you, there are other people out there just as talented who are busting their ass, knocking down doors or making connections. Yeah. And so it's one of those things. I think the more you put yourself out there and let people know what you do, uh, the, the more people are aware of you. And, and I think that's that everything to a certain extent is a numbers game of trying to get as many opportunities, as many swings at, at the plate as you can get. And, and hoping that you find the right one and that you can hit it out of the park. And that's hmm. one, one of the things I've, I've always felt like is put me in a room. Let I, If people are looking for what I can do, I believe I can sell myself better than anyone. So just yeah. get me in front of them, however it is. And, and hopefully, I, you know, I, I will I will take I will take whatever happens if I get my chance at the plate. And if, if they don't like it, then they weren't going to buy me. But right. if they want me, I'm giving them all. Yeah, they're getting 100 percent of it. it. Yeah. <laughs> did you did you experience uh, good initial traction or were there years, like you said, of grinding oh, it out? Yeah, like I mean, look, it's, I, and... I got very lucky early on in that I, I was successful in commercials and commercials were so uh, lucrative at the time that it allowed me to because on TV, I, again, my first hosting gig took five years. So I was doing things. I got to be on General Hospital. I got to have little parts on sitcoms. 
I, and my standup was going, I was headlining, but headlining very small clubs. Okay. The commercials financially made it viable. Uh-huh. And, and that's the other thing too, is, you know, you, you, to find a way to be patient in some areas that it takes a little longer to get to that point. So to have some other stream where it's like, look, commercials are, are fickle, but I was lucky to do it. You don't become famous from it. You don't necessarily build a career off of it, but it was enough to sustain me until my hosting career really started going. Yeah. Um, it can float the acting habit. Or yeah, the, uh, exactly. the comedy habit. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And, and, and I've seen that a lot that, you know, look, you, you always hear about the overnight success, but that is rare. I think it's, it's most of the people I see, it's about 10 years, Hmm. five, you know, five at the earliest, but 10 years of really working at your craft until you're good enough to where when you get that opportunity, not only can you, can you convert, you can knock it out of the park and keep working Hmm. because a lot of people get the opportunity too early before they're ready. Right. And, and, and sometimes I always said, like, if they're like, we don't have something now, I was okay with that. Because they give me another year where I'm going to keep working and getting better. Because I want, when I go through there, I always thought of, of uh, 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 Ted Danson, Sam Malone on Cheers. He said, good hair opens a door, great hair blows it off the hinges. I always thought when I got an opportunity, I wanted to knock it out of the park. I yeah. want them to go, where have you been? Because the worst thing was to be in there and have them go, that was fine. That was fine. That was right. forgettably fine. I want yeah. it to be like, if you give me an opportunity, I am going to make make the most out of it so that people remembered and wanted to work with me again, which is why it gave me a little patience. And again, I had mm. the patience because financially I was making money with the commercials. Um, and, 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 and if you know, you know, that if you're working hard and you believe you're getting better and you, you know, I think you also have to be an honest appraiser of your own work. And, you know, with comedy, it was great. And with the iPhone now, it's so easy to not only, uh, audio tape, but to videotape and to watch and oh, to watch yeah. your work and be like, Oh, whoa, I stunk. Yeah. <laughs> I stunk. That's gotta get better. <laughs> and to do that. And, and so, you know, I still will watch most episodes of Ninja Warrior. I was, I was watching, uh, last night watching the show going, all right, you know, is there something I would have done differently? Is there anything I could have done better? And you're always just trying to, you know, keep, keep improving. Hmm. So you still, you're still constantly critiquing, even Ninja not Warrior, as much. Which, I, I think because okay. there, there reaches a point where it gets hard to watch yourself because you just start watching all the bad stuff. But I still will, and and especially when I'm when I'm gearing up, you know, for something different. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and so I'm, I'm we're we're back doing live rescue now on A and E, and it's a live show, and you know, it's it is it's a dance because we are live uh, for two hours Friday and Saturday night, and. You know, I've got producers in my ear. I've got program. I've got my other hosts. We're all working remotely. So the, the audio is, is real time, but the video lags. So you're really having to oh, listen. Wow. People are in your ear and it, it, I love it. I love it because you feel like, man, I am on a tightrope and you got to be focused. And I love that energy. And sometimes, you know, you get things wrong, you drop it. And I yeah. go, all right, I, you know, how, how could I do it better? And, and it's really fun um, just feeling like I'm, I'm getting better better and better at, at the live element of it and, and just managing it. And, and just sometimes I'll start a sentence, not knowing where we're going, just trusting a producer is going to come in as I'm talking and give me something else. You'll be able to hear it and, and spit it out. And it's, it's really fun when you get to that point of, I, I, I likened it that I first noticed it in standup. Okay. Where when you start out in standup, it is just a panic. When you're on the stage, your heart is pounding and you're just yeah. trying to get the words out. But when you start to get to a point five, maybe 10 years in, 
where you really are confident, everything slows down. And I always liken it to what I heard from Michael Jordan, where he just said, you know, it's slow down in the basketball, that basket would get three sizes bigger. Oh, yeah. Stand up, everything slows down. You're telling your joke. You're really present to it, but you're seeing people in the crowd. You're noticing how they're reacting. You're, 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 you're thinking about three or four things at once. And yet you feel so present. It, you're so in the zone when you are confident, when you're really at your best. And, and, that's when you know, like, all right, all this work is paying off. And, and I feel like when I'm on Ninja now with Live Rescue, it's starting to slow down where you start to feel that. And, and, and you get there because you work very, very hard at it. And it's, it's really gratifying to be in a position when you walk in and you go, I know I can do this. I know mm. I am good at this. And so to, to walk in and feel like I can give you a, a very good I, I can do this very well. And if you're looking for me, I think I can do me better than anyone. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to walk in with that confidence and to feel like, man, I, I'm not hoping I have a good day. I know I'm going to have a good day because I've worked for now 20 years between standup and, and medicine and, 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 and hosting all these things, all these skills that kind of come together. And that's, that's the other thing is like, I took acting classes for 10 years and I barely oh, okay. acted, but it really helped me listen. It really helped me develop other skills. And I, I so often liken it to sports where we talked about cross training and, and, you know, working on basketball for footwork will help your football, will help your baseball. Yeah. And, and I think with, with any, with anything, obviously in entertainment, it's for sure true, but I see that that cross training, that having developing different skill sets makes you much stronger and in ways you might not predict. And so that's why I do love I love doing different things in different challenges and still doing stand up. The the idea of stand up when you're out there with just your words for 45 minutes in a crowd that you have no idea what they're thinking or what's going to happen. That idea of being being present and, and keeping your mind really attuned. I, I, I think stand up is phenomenal for really making your mind be present and, and yeah. just being in this moment. And the way you do that is by preparing a whole bunch before then. So you can just throw it out and be present right then in the moment. Ah, so that's something that I wanted to ask you because, you know, especially uh, your most recent show with Rescue, right? I think someone from the outside would say, oh, like you just have to be someone who is so quick on their feet. You have to be a great improviser. And a lot of people I would imagine would have thought like that's just something you're born with. But what I'm hearing from you is, no, it's something that I've worked at, but it's yeah. also been like 20 years of all yes. these different experiences even, and cross training that has kind of enabled 100%. you. hundred hmm. percent. Even in medicine, we used to have, you know, you used to have to present patients. And so you'd have to memorize a whole bunch of information, understand what you were talking about and be able to handle questions. So even then that was kind of training me for it. But for sure, having done stand up, I think was phenomenal training for being ready to do live TV, for being able to handle a mistake. Because with stand up, you know, when you bomb, when jokes go bad, you There's panic, no and then you get to a point where it's like, "Hey, it's okay." When I can handle it, because the crowd, does, the crowd doesn't mind if a joke bombs. If you if you don't get nervous, if you're still confident, and yeah. you can turn it around, acknowledge it, and do it, and to, to not panic in those moments. And I think stand up teaches you that is how to handle that, how to handle when things go wrong, and and so with everything, you're you're always working, and 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 you know, again, there are people who are naturals, but for mm. most of us. We worked really hard to get good at what we do. And, yeah. you know, again, it's hosting. It seems like all you're doing is talking, but just having those experiences and having that ability to listen to people in different ears and still be speaking, you know, a third train of thought. Um, and, and that comes with, with practicing kind of doing it. And, and so, you know, in whatever you do, I think getting reps makes you better. Yeah. So 
that that's why uh, like I would uh, still do stand up shows, even if it's, hey, seven people or, you know, we did some at the Laugh Factory during the pandemic where there were zero people. They just put a phone in there. They were live streaming. And you're like, I'm doing stand up. And I can't tell. I can't. I'm not even seeing like emojis. Zero nothing. feedback. I might as well no be in my mirror. <laughs> yeah. But you do it and you do all these different things. And it's 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 fun. And at a certain point, it's like, man, if you love if you love doing this and I love performing, then all of it is fun in different ways. And and so I, I think it really is taking these opportunities to to kind of push yourself a little out of your comfort zone into areas where you think, hey, this is a skill I might need to develop. And, and working on it and you work, you, you take as many opportunities to work on it as you can. Um, and you get better. You really do. When you put the time in, you get better. Yeah. Well, and, and you've done so many different shows. You've been hosting now for so long. You've had the stand up. Uh, you know, one thing I'd be interested to hear from your perspective, and I feel like you may have even started to answer this already is like, do you still get nervous the way you used to? You Sometimes, you know, it depends. It depends. Certain things will, We'll get, I mean, live performances because you just never know what a crowd is going to do. And, and, and there are certain times where you think, oh God, you know, I, and I, it, you still go out there and there are times when it just goes sideways and you're just bombing and the sweat is coming down <laughs> and you're going, I just want this to end 30 more minutes. Oh my God. Right. right I right. just did 29 more minutes. Yeah. But honestly, I think now, you know, one of the things you also start to do is to say, all right, I, that nerves. That's also like excitement, right? That means I'm excited to do this and and you get better at handling it. But yeah, there's still times when, man, yeah, my heart's in my throat. It's like Eminem, vomiting mom's spaghetti, (laughs) Uh, but not as much. I don't get as nervous and particularly in situations where I'm, you know, I'm comfortable on Ninja or Live Rescue. For For the most part, I'm like, okay, there's not much they're going to throw at me where I haven't, you know, don't have some idea of of how to handle it. But all those reps. Yeah, and it is, and and at a certain point, you 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 know the the other thing too that makes you nervous is when you feel like this is my shot, this is mm. the one shot, and and I think I've been out here long enough to realize, rarely do you get one shot. Rarely is there one moment where your career will be made or broken. You tend to get a lot of little shots, and and you don't always know which one's going to be the one, but. But and like there have been auditions for shows where I, I went into host and I walked out and I just went, I tanked it. I just, I didn't, I didn't do what I want to do. I felt it. They felt it. There were, there were times where I just wanted to go in the middle. Like, let, let me just, I just want to stop and save all our time. Right. But, right you right. know, you plop it. And then there were other times, you know, where more and more you get better. But I, I think that again, it, it just comes to the point where you start to, when you've had enough experience in those moments and you've come out the other side, you, you start to build confidence uh, that that you're like, OK, I, I'll I'll survive this. I think mm. I, I think I can get through this. Well, and, and I love this idea of cross training. And uh, I feel like it's yes. pretty evident when I when I look at your background. Yeah. I mean, right now, just the number of things you have going on. You have a podcast. Yeah. Right. The, the Factorious. Game show podcast. Oh, yeah. Factorious. It's a blast. Awesome. Love it. You've got that. You have Ninja. Uh, you have Rescue. I'm, there, I'm sure there's other things I don't even know yeah, about. Yeah, I'm, I'm a regular contestant on 25 Words or Less where I get to play word games, which I love games. So, right. uh, yeah, it's hey, – look, I'm, I'm right now I'm busy. It looks like I'm going to be doing some stuff for the Olympics. It was supposed to be, obviously, this year. But yeah. uh, next year it's going to have a, a nice role with the Olympics doing some live streaming oh, stuff. Cool. Yeah, can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. And uh, 
So work is great. And, you know, at the same time, though, it could all go away in a matter of months. You know, shows yeah. get canceled. Viewing habits change. So you're always the other thing you're always doing is saying, all right, well, what what could be next? Yeah. Um, what would the next opportunity be? You know, uh, what other connections do I have? Um, you know, I, I love what I'm doing. I think Ninja Warrior hopefully has a lot more years in it. Um, but you never know. And so that, you know, that is one of the, it's, it's an interesting, I, I, I think as we've seen, particularly in 2008 when the market crashed and then more recently with this pandemic, mm -hmm. entertainment has always been obviously a very fickle career where things change in not years, months, sometimes weeks or days. Yeah. And, and we've learned to kind of live with that. But I think what I've seen in other careers and even, even somewhat in medicine is, is you realize things that we used to think, ah, you know, if you're in finance, if you're at Bear Stearns, that's not going anywhere. And then you see <laughs> 2008 happens and a, and a bank that's over 100 years old disappears in a matter of days. Yeah. So I think I was really glad to say I didn't choose a career for stability and, and make my I didn't choose a path that said I'm choosing this career, even though I don't like it as much because I know it's stable. I know I'll always have a career there. Instead, I chose something that I was passionate about. And while it's, you know, it seems to be more fickle, what I've realized is in life, if you're going to bet on something, I decided I would rather bet on myself. Yep. And, and in entertainment, that's what you're doing. You're betting on yourself that you will be able to find the next opportunity, that you'll be able to create the next opportunity, that you'll be able to land on your feet. And I think ultimately you, you see, even all of us really are, it's just, you know, in, in dip to different degrees because so, so many things that we take uh, for certain we're realizing aren't. So, you know, I think that was one of the things when I'm, I'm really glad that early on I decided to do something I loved because I would rather kind of take my swings doing what I love and betting on myself uh, than, you know, choosing a path where I just kind of was grinding saying, uh, this is a stable career, but I'm miserable. Yep. But in the end, it'll be safe. I, I, I'm glad I chose this path. Yeah, and I, I can relate to that in some ways. And it's funny to look back. So, you know, I was telling you beforehand, my first job, I was working in marketing. I must yep. have been making $35,000 and living in New York City. So I was oh I was God. broke the fourth <laughs> week of every month. Less than broke, right. And when I say broke, I mean, I was below the poverty line, I'm sure. Yeah. Someone's going to write me a nasty note saying that's not true. Yeah. But I mean, dollar New York pizza, is a very expensive city. Isn't oh, I mean, I was living behind fake bookshelves with a comedian, no less, <laughs> in a living room. Oy. And, uh, but it, you know, the, the reason I bring that up is even at that time, there was other things that I thought I was passionate about but to make that jump into something else, I was like, oh man, but I have the security of this job. Yeah. It's stable. There's a, there's a clear cut path to where I will be doing well someday. I don't know. And I mean, I stayed there for three years. Yeah. By the way, my, my in-laws listen to this and I was courting my now wife at this time. They're gonna be like, you made $35,000? Yeah. And you walked away from it? You're yeah. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're gonna yeah, be like, what a right. web of lies you were spinning. But no, but that jump, I, I really think it's important to say is like, it's such a hard decision yeah. to make for so many people because that risk feels really substantial, right? So it, it's it, it, yes. it's very cool to hear, you know what I mean? Your perspective and, and again, how well I, it worked out. Yeah. Look, I was 27 at the time. I, you know, I knew my parents would take me back and I could go back to medicine and I didn't have a family and kids. So it was a little easier. I knew, you know, this really wasn't like fall on your face. I knew there was still like a soft landing. So, you know, uh, it wasn't, it, it was a tough decision and certainly walking away from medicine, all my friends who knew me 
were like, hey, uh, you're not that funny. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> they, they were like, dude, you're, you're like our 17th funniest friend. You think you're going to be a comedian? Right. Um, but I think, you know, pretty soon, I think they saw, God, how much of my I changed when I was doing something I loved and how much happier I was. And, and that, you know, I think that brings out a passion and a willingness to work in ways uh, that you might not have done for something where you're, you know, just nose to the grindstone for something you don't love. Yeah. So I think I, I was, you know, lucky to find, or, you know, I did, I, I gambled on finding something I, that I, that I loved. And, and I, 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 I think that is true. You know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. The, the, the work for me with my job is not the job. It's getting the job. It's the in-between. But mm. when we get to work, uh, it's, it is, it is, uh, awesome. It is a blessing. Yeah. Well, and you said, you know, one of the things that's really helped you today, uh, especially, you know, with just, I imagine the longevity of American Ninja Warrior and then all the other projects you're working on is that you really do focus on preparation. And I, yes. I, I some yes. people might be a little surprised to hear that. Can, can you talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Pro- <laughs> no, you know, it is like, hey, I've been watching I, Matt. I, he does not prepare. No, it's, I have, you know, yeah, it's people say, TV. I, I always do my homework. There's, there's yeah. just like, Hey man, if there's work you can do to make it easier on the day of do the work. You know, I'll watch uh, videos of of every competitor who's going to run. We'll know the submission videos. I'll have read their bios. I'll, I I follow them online. Like you, you learn their stories. You learn about these people. You learn about the obstacles. You walk the course with our stunt guys, with our testers and, and hear the challenge of these obstacles. And you just gather this information and you just so you have, you want to just have an abundance of resources and abundance of preparation to rely on. And honestly, this was something that I learned in an acting class that I thought was the best, uh, the best uh, advice that like she, she, she always said acting is a hundred percent technical and a hundred percent organic. So she would say, you have to do the work. You have to know this scene backwards and forwards, know the words, know the storyline, know the beats. And then when you start, you throw it all out. You trust mm. that the work is there and you just be present. And it is one of those things you see, like, uh, you know, again, that's what I talked about with stand up is when you are able to be present on something and just focus on it and be in the moment and not be thinking, what's my line? But to know I've done the work. Yeah. Everything, the homework is all there. I don't hey, have to be looking in the barn, for data. The hay is in the <laughs> barn. And then all you have to do is be present and trust that your skills are there. And I think that is one of those things where when you're going in for a job interview, you know, you don't glance at some and go, who am I interviewing with? Uh, his name's Steve. What, you know, where do you go to school? What, what does he like? What, what does this company focus on? What are the questions they might ask me? Mm-hmm. And, and like, it's one of those things they might not ask you, but when you go in there prepared, I think you have a different level of confidence. Like I'm ready. I'm ready for what they're going to throw at me Absolutely. and I'm ready for why I am here and what I am doing. And I think that, that just by controlling the variables you can control, you give yourself that self-assuredness, you give yourself that confidence that allows you to be able to perform your best when it counts. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's those people of, you know, Jordan, why do I succeed? Because I failed, because I took all those shots, because I practiced in the gym. And it is, it's, it's putting that time in so that when the moment comes, you know, you're ready, you're ready to, to take your swing. Yeah. And, and this has come up a couple of times already, this, you know, the need and the importance of being present. Uh, and maybe I'm asking this cause I just had on uh, a sports hypnotist and then someone who uh, focuses on meditation, but do you have any sort of practices that you leverage to like focus and, and kind of work on being more present or is it just something you know, that's organically developed? 
I I, th- I think it's it really is. You know, I, I've I've done some meditation, and and I think that there is, you know, bre- breathing is always like controlling your breathing is one of those things that I think is something that we often don't focus on. And right. when you get those short, quick breaths, when you're a little more nervous, that's an easy thing where you can say, I can consciously control my breath and mm-hmm. slow it down. And in so doing, I think you slow your thinking down. You speed your mind up. So it feels like it's slowing down. Yeah. And and I think like, honestly, I've noticed in, in this video game, this, or not video game, the game show I play, 25 words or less. Yeah. Right before I go, I lean back. I just take a breath. And I lean in and just stare at the person. And it's one of those things of just trying to open up your mind going, all right, I've, I've, I've done everything I can. I'm just trying to be present. And it's, look, it, it's, I'm, I'm, and <laughs> I am not a Zen Buddhist. I am not <laughs> present most of the time. I spend way too much time on my phone, looking okay. at social media, just abolishing my brain, short attention span. I listen to podcasts at night. I, I do everything wrong. <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Right. I am a work very much in progress. But I really do see it. You you see it where the more you kind of control it on a day to day basis, the the better your brain is. The more prepared you are. And and again, full caveat for, for full admission, I I don't always do it the best I could. Right. Uh, but um, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think when it comes time for something big, when it comes time for being ready for something, that is something I'll try to do is just kind of like put the phone down. Stop looking at things and just, you know, take a couple breaths beforehand. And, and, you know, you're, you're just like at that point, if you've done the work and, and you believe in yourself, there, there's just a little bit of, all right, this is the moment. This is what I wanted. This is the moment. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's, let's still make it happen. When you walk into something with doubt, right, which I think is often what happens when you feel unprepared. Yeah. Like you're already fighting an uphill battle. You know, and so it's just that that idea of like the preparation, knowing that you've done everything that you possibly could yeah. in a strange way, it just enables you to be more free in the moment. It uh, and, and, you know, one of the things, too, that I, I found liberating once or a couple of times has been when I thought I'm not right for this. I, I don't think mm. I'm what they're looking for. And I thought I could try to be someone I'm not and be who I think they want. And instead, I said, I, I don't think. I can do that well enough. I would rather go in and be 100% me and say, you're not right for this, but we see what you are right for and we'll keep that in mind. Ah. And so I, I think there's, you know, and it's not like going in and going, we want someone sensitive. You're like, well, screw you. I, but it, it's this idea of, of I would, knowing what you're, what you're good at. And, yeah. and even sometimes if it's like, hey, I know you're looking for something else, but I'm going to try to, try to figure out a way to show you what I'm good at within the context of that. And, and, and there is a certain amount of liberty of saying, all right, I'm not getting this. So let me just go do what I can and be the best me that I can. And, and now that's really a, a fun place to be. Um, that, that often, uh, again, sometimes you don't get a call or they'll just stop in the middle. They go, oh, yeah, that, well, I don't know what you were thinking. You, right. But then other times you're like, Hey, I like that. And, and, and I think that that's one of those things when you realize, you know, not, not being too precious about one opportunity being it. And, and, yeah. and again, I, I've had shows where I thought this show is the one that if this goes, my life changes and then right. nothing ever happened. Ninja Warrior, they came to me and they said, look, this show is probably gonna be 10 episodes for the summer. Maybe we get through them. Maybe we don't. And now we're on season 12. We've been nominated for Emmys. We've had spinoff shows. You, you just don't, you know, you don't always know what's going to be 
that golden goose. You don't know what's going to be that opportunity that that is. So kind of treating them all, you know, and, and giving them all your best, but not not making one seem like this, you know, they'll I I I've just there'll always be some another chance. If right. you believe you're good at what you do, if you work hard, you'll get another opportunity. Yeah. Um and and just you know, but but making the most of every opportunity you you get and and trying to you know um give them a full sense of hey this if 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 this is what you're looking for this is what i can deliver yeah um did, and did, it's it's fun did you yeah. always have that perspective with regards to you know no. i guess oh I guess no no, no. I, I used to think rejection. oh every audition i lived and died with it i i used to be like call my agent the next day did they give any feedback and here's the thing you only get feedback if if, if you get it if you don't <laughs> they just don't call Right. And so it'd be miserable. And then sometimes there'd be like three weeks and they're like, oh yeah, you, you, you're moving on. And you're like, oh, they didn't call it. And then you start to go, I, I call it fire and forget, like, you know, a missile. You just, fire, you just, at a certain point you go in, you do the best you can. And that was another thing I learned is like, your, when you go into an audition or a job interview, your job isn't to book the show. You can't control that. All mm. you can control is doing the best you can. Because there, there's so many, and it's been interesting because I've been on the other side now and casting and, and seeing people. And sometimes you realize the best person doesn't always get the job. There wow. are other factors. There can be other things at play. So you could go in there and, and you really could hit a home run and they could go, we love this guy. We're going to find something, but not this. And you not think this. they didn't call me. They hate me. And it's one of those, one of those things of, of, and it's tough when you're starting out. But when you get to a place where you go, listen, I'm, I'm working. I, I have worked. I will work. And I believe that I can make fans when I go out and do this. And so that's all I'm doing. And when I leave, hey, thank you for the opportunity. Hope to hear from you. If not, great. And and to move on and, and then to in your life, just say, I'm turning the page on that. And if something comes of it, great. But, you you know, to, to focus on controlling what you can control, because we really it's so easy to get mired in things that that really are are beyond your control. And we all uh, I still do it at times. But, you know, it's it's you you get enough perspective when you've been in it. I'm, you know, two decades in now where you see like, wow, everything will kind of come full circle and take care of itself as you take care of your business. Hmm. Yeah, it's I, again, you know, easier said than done. But I feel yes. like that, that in itself is really uh, inspiring. Right. Well, I, I, and I think it's helpful. Like initially I started, I would track everything and track auditions and track like how I did or how I thought I did. I would track comedy shows. And that's really helpful initially because, you know, the thing you want to see though is, is not, did I, did I book it or not? Obviously that, that helps, but you want to see like, did I, did I do what I wanted to do? And when you start doing that, then you start to see things fall into place. I mm. think. Um, and so it's, it's again, kind of focusing on, Hey, when I'm going in there and I'm, I feel like I'm knocking the ball, you know, deep, maybe not out of the park, but it's going deep. Yeah. Then it's like, all right, I feel like I'm doing what I can do. Then it's, then it's in their part, uh, in their part. And, and I always felt too, there is people sense desperation. We know it in comedy when you're panicking, <laughs> the crowd senses it and they turn and they stop yeah. laughing. But when you're confident, when you know, like, I don't need this, something else will come. When you believe that, I think you go in there with the different confidence as opposed to, if I don't get this, I'm not paying my rent. I'm going to be out in the streets. And, you know, it, it, it's it. possible to be there. It, yeah. and, and there is there is that ability of, you know, if you have that ability to have that confidence to say, I believe in myself, I'm betting on myself, this will work out. I think your performances start to get better, your 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 opportunities will start to, I, I think you'll start to see more success. 
And what that makes me think of too, is like, you can't live and die with every outcome. You That's know, it. like you, you can't, you said, you said as much, like you can't measure success based on whether or not you got the job because unbeknownst to you, there could be a completely different set of factors. That's it. That's it. Uh, That's you know it. what I mean? And so, someone's nephew also is interviewing yes. for the role. <laughs> yes. Now, again, I say this and one of the things in comedy is you have to be a, a candid assessor of your own skills. Ah. You have to know, hey, did I suck tonight or was that a rough crowd? And it's the same with your performances where you have to be able to kind of gauge. No, I, I think I was pretty good. I just think if, if they don't go for me, they weren't looking for me. Versus, oh boy, I could have done better. I, I need to, next opportunity, I need to prepare better. You know, and I think once, you know, you you start to be a better judge of it, the more, with reps, you the more times you perform, the more times you're around other people, the more interviews you do, the more auditions you do, the more standup you do. You, you start to see and, and to become a better gauge of your own work. And I think that is a very valuable tool to have is to know when you're doing good work and when yeah. your work could be better. Yeah. It's funny. I, you know, I, I mentioned that I lived with a stand-up comedian when I was in New York, Noah Savage. He's now a, a announcer for ESPN. I don't know. Oh yeah, of course. Prince and Bass basketball. Oh, player. you know, yeah, no, okay. Know. Awesome. Yeah. He ran one of our reunions. Oh, I think he drank oh, more than, he, than we perfect. did. He was good. No, that actually sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, but I would go with Noah to all these open mics and I, you know, I would just go to support him and it was also fun and the beers were cheap and I didn't have a whole lot to spend at that time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I would see some of these guys would come to the same shows and they would not adapt. Like they were yeah. not assessing their material. They had all the confidence yeah. in the world, mm -hmm. but they were like, look, I'm just going to like use this bit until someone finds it funny. And it's like, that's, that's the other side of the equation, right? It's but that willingness to be able to actually say, Hey, assess what you're doing and be willing to like critique yourself and adapt. And it's helpful to see that. It's helpful to see it in others and then hold the mirror yeah. up to yourself and say, am I doing that? Yeah. Uh, and you do. And, and you see that you start to see the habits of, hey, you know, here was a guy who was with us at these open mics, but now he's getting booked. What is he doing differently? What are the right. people around him? When I go to those shows, what's the difference with, with, you know, how much they're churning out new material or how they're adapting to the crowd? And it's again, it's being candid in your in your ability to assess what's going on and and not being afraid sometimes to call yourself out or to say, I'm I'm not doing what I need to do. Right. Um, one of the things I have to ask you, your relationship with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yay. Okay. So, uh, after I, I was looking up the cast of characters that were assembled for that new celebrity apprentice, I'm going to go yes. back and watch that entire season. Cause yeah. I, 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 don't know if, I think, I think they buried it because of, uh, <laughs> the executive producer NBC has cut ties with it. But, oh God. It's not a big I still fan. have them on my DVR. Believe me. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, was, I, so, was, I was like, boy, George, Vince Neal, uh -huh. oh, yeah. Lisa Leslie. I was like, this is, this is amazing. Brooke Burke, Snooki, Chael Sonnen, amazing. Eric Dickerson, Ricky, Ricky Williams. Um, yeah. You know, for, honestly, like if, if entertainment went away, if I had to go back to whatever, leave town and go back. And I, if people said, well, what, what was the highlight? It was that it was getting really? to do the new celebrity apprentice and winning. Winning, but more importantly, after that, becoming friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger because it was one of those things. So, uh, you know, for the, we filmed the show in 2016, and th that was when our our president was, you know, he, he he was just vying for the nomination. Nobody knew, and and over the course of it, we shot the show. We're about to put it out, and then he gets the nomination. Then, you know, wins the election, and we start airing just around his inauguration. And it was a very politicized time, so the show became a hot football. NBC kind of buried it, and I was. I was disappointed because I thought, hey, man, I it was so much fun. That show, to me, 
was the culmination of everything I had done in my life. To get to go on this show as probably the least known person um, and to be around all these celebs who I was huge fans of yeah. and to get to go in there and to be working with, you know, we're working with Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. We're with right. Warren Buffett. Uh, you know, Jessica Alba's coming in with Honest, uh, her Honest Company. Like you're working with billion dollar brands and having these unbelievable opportunities, meeting people and getting in front of decision makers. And, and I'm getting to show week after week like different areas where I could excel and, and have fun. And I got to do Harry Potter and I turned out I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. Nobody <laughs> else knew Harry Potter. And, and I get to do this ridiculous performance. And later I found out Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, I, I saw you with that. I was like, this guy's got some magic. I'm like, I see what you're doing. And it was, it was just unbelievable opportunity where I felt like everything I'd done between medicine, between standup, between sports, between hosting, all of it call, got called into play. And, and even like the way my mom raised me to be nice to people and not right. to, you know, not to lose my shit when people are calling me out or sabotaging me, it all came into play and I got to win. I got to win uh, and, and win a million dollars for the arthritis foundation. Yeah. And, and, and I remember afterwards when the show didn't do well and people weren't watching and I was like, Oh my God, I thought it was going to be great. My buddy goes, and he goes, wait a second, where, where are you going? this way? I was like, well, I, you know, I'm going to Arnold's house for his birthday. He goes, you're friends with Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is the guy we grew up watching. You have the predator poster on your childhood bedroom. You've had right. it since 86. Like you won, you became right. friends with your legend. And I'm like, yeah. So this past year for my birthday, perspective. He, he took me to Austria. He wanted me to help host an event for the Schwarzenegger Climate Initiative. So we land in Austria. We go to a club. He brings out a cake. He sings happy birthday to me. We're on stage that night. And I'm like, uh, you know, and then we, we go to this Hanukkah, this downhill race. And he and I are hanging out where we're having stogies. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like this, when I grew up, entertainment was never on my radar. Yeah, I, I watched movies. I loved them. And now here I am with this guy who defined the 80s for me. And it happened because of because I made this ridiculous career switch and and the opportunities I've gotten, the things I've gotten to do and see and, and the people I've met with him and and because of him and 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 the difference we've got to make in charities together. I've, I've worked with him. We've, we've raised over 10 million dollars for charity. And it, it's just amazing when I look at how this all came from that one decision to kind of leave medicine and and pursue this dream and, and how fitting it was that this guy who I grew up worshiping with right. posters on my wall and now I got to become friends with him and it was just one of those things of man your your dreams like it's amazing how you these dreams can come true in ways you never expected and and the fun like every time I'm with him I'm still like it's I, I don't you know I I've got, <laughs> I, I got this this. No, oh, they can't see it. I've got a photo from his Christmas party. Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and me. And Arnold's Eisman, give me his He brought me over to Stallone because he knew. I got a photo with like these two guys. I'm just like, this, this is the kind of stuff that 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 I will, when I'm old and gray and can't remember anything, I'll remember that. I'll remember yeah. getting to do some of this stuff. And it's just, it was amazing. And I was so glad that, you know, when I got to go on Apprentice, I was just, my goal was don't get fired the first week. But I read his book and he's like, I want someone who takes risks. I want someone mm. who, who who doesn't apologize, but who's willing to work hard, who will put themselves out there, who will, you know, be willing to fall in their face. And I was like, I took those lessons and 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 I applied them and I ended up winning. And it was, you know, making a huge difference for charity. And it's just been this transformative experience having a friendship with him. And it really being around someone like him, who I've never met anyone with such a such a vision and such a willingness 
to make it happen and a will, a, a refusal to take no for an answer. Where I just see this man, the people he brings into his orbit to this day, heads of state, you know, billionaires, princes, there's no question he is still the biggest man in any room. And to watch his ability to make things happen and to make people, people want to be with someone who has this, this unbelievable, unbelievably positive, confident attitude who wants to make things better, make things work. And to see how that, the power of his vision is constant and to be able to hear him talk about that and to talk when he talks to people who are leaders and to say, oh, he's, he's, he's not confident, there's no clear vision. And to see him be able to like, just immediately dissect it and, and to, yeah. to, to choose people who he knows have a vision who can help him execute his vision. And, and he's someone who just believes in these synergies. And it is amazing to watch a guy who's had success in bodybuilding, in real estate, and being an entrepreneur, in being a governor, and being a movie star, and now being a philanthropist and, and a world policymaker, and to have success in so many different realms, and to have it all come down to this undeniable will and vision and to watch that it is it's like going to business school anytime i'm around him and i mm. love it. it's it's one of those things where when you can be around those people who've achieved extraordinary things and just soak it up it's it's like man that is that is going to graduate school that is yeah. being around that gets you so excited and that's you know one of those opportunities where if you ever get a chance to be around people who are at the pinnacle of their career, whether you agree with them, whether you like what they've done or not, to to not take that opportunity to try to say what makes them tick. Yeah. Why have they had this extraordinary success? Um, you know, I think that was always kind of thing with athletes, like the last dance with Michael Jordan, just uh -huh. to watch this guy's single-minded dedication to victory Unbelievable. And how, above all else. And when you're like, man, you know, I didn't have that in sports. I did not. Mm. I wasn't even close. <laughs> and you see what it takes to be the greatest. And and, you know, and that's the other thing, too, is some people will look at that and say, I'm not willing to pay that price. Right. I'm not willing to do what he did to do that. And, and, you know, there is always a calculus of, hey, I want to have a life, whatever. But but I think, you know, when you can be around those people and see it's uh, it, it really is amazing. And that was, you know, one of the great things, too, was to be able to talk like, you know, get to spend three hours with Steve Ballmer where and there were times he was just shitting on me. And and I was like, OK. I, I, I'm taking that feedback because yeah. you're worth $25 billion and, <laughs> and I'm going to listen to what you have Probably to say. Probably a thing or two and, I can learn here. Yeah. And it, it's, it's one of those things when you can just take your ego out of it and say, I'm going to listen to what they say. And, and it's, you know, it, those opportunities are, you know, and I've, I've, they've only come in, in the past few years, but when you can be around people who are super successful, it really is fascinating to be able to just soak it in and see how they approach things differently. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, like this story almost feels like it encompasses a lot of the things that we talked about earlier, right? It's like, yeah. you never know where an opportunity is going to lead, right? Yes. Like one step could open up so many doors that you couldn't even have imagined. A hundred percent. But also what I heard in there too is, you know, I hope people didn't miss it. It's like prior to you going on that show, like you read his book. You oh, did yeah. your homework on like, hey, oh, what, yeah. what does this guy look for? What, well, what makes him tick? Like, I just think so that they didn't see that was one of the things that you don't see on the show hmm. was I gotten some advice that so, you know, when you see the show, they, they give you a task and then you try to execute a task for a brand. Right. What they don't show is after that task, they give you a book, like a 30 page book that has all these details, uh, you know, uh, deadlines that has resources, that has the rules, that has the criteria. And 
so one of the things I would do is we would usually get it, you know, uh, sometimes you'd have a hint, like we knew like, okay, Warren Buffett was going to be on the show. We knew that. Yeah. So I was reading his books. I was researching him. I knew Balmer was going to be on. So I'm researching Microsoft. I'm researching the Clippers so that I had as much information ready to go. I had obviously I had researched Schwarzenegger and the things that he valued. And so when I would go in and the other thing is I would take that book and I, I, every week, every task, I was the one who said, I will go through all of this. I will process it. I will create charts. I will do so because I may not be valuable if it's a makeup task or, or if it's a creative arts one. But right. I knew I could always add value by being the person who will work hard, who will keep us organized, who will do just the grunt work. Yeah. Because I was like medicine. I'm like, that, that's scout work. That was the stuff that, hey, you just got to do this paperwork. You got to work hard. I'm like, I can do that. I can do that every week. And so that was the thing that really carried me through that you didn't really see on the show. But yeah. that willingness to just work hard, stay organized, create these charts, stay on top of people and provide some organization when I couldn't be the one leading or be in an area of my expertise. I could always still find a way to add value. And I think, you know, that that's one of the things too, when I look at a, a show or when you look on something where it's like, hey, if I'm not the star on a show, or if I'm not the host or it's someone else's thing, then it's like, how can I add value to them and what they're doing? Right. And try to figure out what they're doing and, and make them better. And in so doing, you make everything better. And it's one of those things where you don't always, it's like when you're on a team, you don't need to be the guy scoring 30 points. Sometimes yep. your job is going to be do the assists, get the rebounds, and being able to say, I can try to lead a show. I can be the host on Ninja or, you know, I've been on other shows where, hey, man, I'm an ensemble member and I have no problem sharing the spotlight and doing that as well and knowing kind of these different roles. And, and again, you know, there are other people who are like, no, I'm always going to be the star and that works for them. Mm-hmm. But I've I've found a little more utility in saying there I can step into areas and sometimes be a second fiddle and yeah. know how to deliver in that area as well. And I thought it was really fun going on Apprentice because you just you got to do you you got to see how people worked and how some people didn't want to work in areas where it wasn't their area of expertise and to say I can always add value and and, and to see that when you do that people will notice and mm-hmm. and that was why like I I was only ever up for being fired in the very final week when there were just two of us. And every other time I'd, I'd always stayed out of the boardroom or my teams had won. And I think that I'd been a part of that. And it was because I'll just do this work and keep us organized. We'll never miss a deadline. We'll always have the resources. We'll always know who's doing what. We'll always know exactly what criteria we're being judged on. So we're not like, you know, missing the target here. And it's these little things that you can really add value in different ways if you're looking to do it. Yeah. And it's a little counterintuitive too, but it's like sometimes the, the best thing you can do for yourself is to, to be selfless, right? Yeah. And just yes. and take your ego out of it and say, look, because it's like, Hey, yeah. I, rather than be like the star, I want my team to win because if my mm-hmm. team wins, nobody's getting fired. And right. if that means someone else is shining, if I make them shine, that's great because ultimately people do notice it. People yeah. notice and, and then they'll notice if you're not doing it. And, and it's, it is one of those things I think about, you know, wanting the best result, not necessarily for yourself, but for the team, for the project. Ultimately, I think that ends up getting you the best results because people, people don't always look for just a, a shining star. They look for someone who makes I'll everyone be better. better. You know, you want to, you're right. You want a guy who elevates the team and, and trying to do that because there's no project that that hinges around one person. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you see like Colbert, there's a team of riders, you know, there, there are other people. And if you can bring the best out of them, that helps you. And figuring out how you do that, how you bring the best out of other people. 
um, and, you know, learn what people respond to. And it's, you know, that's an ongoing, that's a process where you're always evolving and always trying to do it. But it was, I, I, that was what I loved about Apprentice. It was, we did it in six weeks. We did 13 tasks in six weeks. And it was the most intense thing I've done since medical school. And it was the most fun and rewarding thing. And it was so fun to feel like I worked my ass off and it paid off. Yeah. And it got, no- it got noticed and it's resulted in this ridiculous friendship with Arnold. Like, what an experience. That's amazing. Well, and uh, so I feel like this does not get uh, mentioned enough, but you now are doing the announcing for the Arnold Classic. Yeah. So yeah, well, I'm, which, I'm again, a huge, so, huge fan of yeah. Strongman. I mean, I, oh. I, I, I'll go down into my basement in my home gym and I'll watch like the world's strongest man from the 70s through the uh, 80s, just all the cl- – I, I love it. And so, so I was watching I, Arnold and then you pop yeah. on – and I was like, this guy is everywhere. My co-host, my co-host this past year was Magnus Ver Magnuson, who when I was in college, Iceland, he was, you know, yeah. from Iceland, he was big von big, the world's strongest man. And I'm, right. you know, and that's again with Arnold, where we're out there with these strong men. And it was, you know, Thor, uh, half Thor Beerson, the, the mountain from Game oh, of Thrones yeah. and Brian Shaw and these guys. And, and they're just gentlemen beasts. And it's again, it's so much fun. And Arnold, he, he likes me as a host. So he gave me kind of, you know, the the pro unlimited bodybuilding and and the strongman, the two biggest events. And the Arnold Classic, it's like a quarter million fans over three days, 21,000 athletes. Huge. It's massive. Yeah. And, you know, he gave me the keys, like the biggest franchise. And it's so much fun. And again, I did my homework. I learned about these guys. I learned about the list as much as possible. And I knew what I didn't know. And I'd lean on Magnus for that. But I, I came in and I'm like, I, I learned how to say their names because some of them are just absurd. Dude, I, I learned, you know, I just learned as much as I could because I knew, hey, this is a very specialized world and I want to respect it. And, and like the athletes were very kind and I think they sensed that I wanted to do the best job I could. And they were very, uh, very open to have me there. And it was, you know, it, it's just when you're sitting there and if you watch Conan the Barbarian, they recreated the Wheel of Doom, this 35 yes. foot wooden structure that they're pushing. And and you're there watching it, just going. These guys are moving buildings. They the are feats moving of strength. Ton. Oh, the feats of strength were remarkable. And it's again, like that's what I love with Ninja Warrior. That's what I love with anything. I love watching people do extraordinary things, do things they didn't know they could do. Right. And that's strong man in a nutshell. And it's so much fun to get to do that, and and to have Arnold come up at the end and just be BSing with him with these, you know, the the literal strongest men on the, the planet. Biggest, yeah. Exactly. The, the strongest men that have ever lived. Ever. And ever. they really are, right? Obviously, they are the strongest men who've ever lived. And it is absurd. Like, you get on the bus, you feel them. Like, we're talking like a full Greyhound bus. When they get on, the whole bus tilts as they're walking down. <laughs> Start testing massive. the shocks. Oh, my God. Hey, one thing I wanted to ask you. Have you ever taken a run through the American Ninja Warrior course? Yeah. How'd it yeah. go? Not well. <laughs> Not well. The last two times, I broke my foot and broke my ankle. Really? And they were like, you can't do it anymore. I go, no, 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 I can't. In fact, if you see me look at Nobskull, you have permission to tackle me. <laughs> I have rheumatoid arthritis, so my bones are like Rice Krispies. They I, they really shouldn't be doing it. And and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not a small life athlete. I am I'm bigger and huskier. And so, yeah, it is awful. These athletes are remarkable. It, you know, unlike strongman where you see it is this burly strength, this is strength to weight where, yeah. you know, 150 pound people who can do 40 pull-ups or dead hang for half an hour. And it's a different kind of strength. And it is amazing. So, you know, we shot our most recent season during this pandemic. We got delayed. We were, we were ready to start in March, uh, March 12th. Like mm. the, the, and the day before was 
March 11th, NBA canceled games. March Madness gets canceled. And so our season goes from, we were 24 hours away, full go to by the end of that day, hey, not only are we postponed, we don't know if it's happening. It took four months. We go to St. Louis. We shoot at the Dome at America Center where the Rams used to play. We figured out a way where 80,000 seat Dome, zero fans. We could only have three ninjas on the course at once. Yeah. And, it, you know, you're thinking it's going to be empty. It's going to have this horrible energy. But everyone was so excited, myself included, to be out of the house. This was right. July. So this is the first time I'd really left the house. Oh, yeah. And so we're there. You know, we have we still have our full crew, but it's because it's the dome. We could essentially have people outside indoors. They were effectively outside in distance, like our whole control team. Hmm. We're in this dome and the energy there, it was just this crazy, like, I, you know, are we going to pull this off? Is it going to work? We're so lucky to get to do it. The energy was crazy. And we did this whole season. But a lot of the athletes, the gyms were closed. They right. couldn't work out. And so they're out there and some of them hadn't worked. You know, they were doing pull-ups in their garage, whatever. But the course was as difficult as it's ever been. And they found a way through it. And it was just amazing to see people rising to the occasion. And, you know, we also had an opportunity this year. We, we always have a lot of frontline workers, firefighters and, and cops and uh, nurses and, and to have these people coming out there. And, you know, we, we had an ICU nurse and her doctors, you know, they took a break and they were watching a run from the hospital. And, you know, four days before she was in the ICU life or death situations. And here she is on the course and, you know, she had to go back and, and it was just amazing, though, to feel like we we pulled it off. So it was it was a, a, a it was a, a a different, totally different season. But it's it was one of the greatest experiences we've had on the show because it meant so much to get to to actually get to do it in the midst of all this. Yeah. Well, and that's what I didn't go near the obstacles. Okay. <laughs> Not well, even close. That's one of the things that just like sport brings out. It's like the, these yeah. human stories that are so well, incredible. And- I, I look at it and I think like the lessons of sport are the lessons of life, like learning how to lose, learning how to work hard, learning that you might suck at something. But if you work and work and work, you get better yeah. learning how to take criticism from a coach, learning how to be a teammate. All those things you learn in sport, I think, are the lessons that make you a better human. And and I look at our ninjas and I think I see how so many of them have used ninja to turn their lives around and to mm-hmm. overcome addiction or to battle disease or to use it as a way to deal with the frustrations of life. And, and, and these people in working hard physically and having that discipline, it, it, it carries over to other areas of their life. And you just Absolutely. see having that, you know, having something like that, having a goal that you go after, I think is so important in life to have something where you're challenging yourself to be better than the day before, because it's so easy to just kind of put your head down and go, Hey man, I'm just one day after the other. It's, and it, it happens. We do that. And, yeah. you know, in the pandemic, it's easy to do it, but to sometimes step back and say, well, why am I doing this? What, what, what's, what's the next step or what's, what's the purpose of working hard for this? And I think Ninja, you know, seeing these athletes do it. And I think when they see what they've done on the course, all of, you know, you just see these people who have so much success in other areas. Um, you know, maybe that was who they were, but a lot of them, I think they felt like, having that ability in ninja and then they saw wow if i can do this here i can translate it in other areas and it's been amazing seeing so many of them have success and find marriage and find happiness and you know to think that their their work on ninja and their success in ninja was a part of that absolutely yeah you can't help but have that bleed into the other parts of your life yeah right the work ethic, i I, I just think like that positive feedback loop it's like absolutely start yeah 
I think it's so great for kids to play sports for that reason. Um, just to learn those lessons and, and to see that whether you're good at it or not, I think it's just kind of one of those things that it just, it's, it's, it, it allows you to handle the challenges of life better. For sure. For sure. Um, awesome. Well, hey, maybe, maybe we can uh, wrap it up with this, but I know that you do, and you've mentioned it already, a lot of philanthropic work. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit about like some of the causes? Uh, yeah. You mentioned so, the, the rheumatoid arth arthritis is something. That yeah. You so the arthritis foundation has been my main charity. That's uh, been one I've worked with. It's I have rheumatoid arthritis. So it's kind of self-serving, I guess, but the arthritis foundation really helped me when I was diagnosed uh, just getting, you know, the, the biggest thing it gave me was a connection to people who have what I have, because yeah. it's funny as a doctor, I understood rheumatoid arthritis, hmm. but I didn't know what it was like living with it. When I was diagnosed, I, I kind of understood the science, but I didn't know I wanted to talk to people who had it, who could tell me this is how life changes. And the Arthritis Foundation helped me with that. And that's been one of the reasons why I've always been open about living with rheumatoid arthritis and sharing my story was when I was diagnosed, I didn't, you know, it's primarily women's disease and it tends to affect women often, you know, in their later stages of life, oh, kind of close to the age I am now. I didn't realize And so that. there were, you know, there weren't a lot of people like me, a lot of young guys out there. And I thought, I, you know, if there's a young guy, I want them to know, hey, I, I'm out here. And and you wouldn't necessarily know it by looking at me that I have this. I'm on, you know, a show where I, the show is very active, even if I'm not. Yeah. And to say like, hey, because I, what I found is when you, when you read about a diagnosis or a disease, you read the textbook cases. And those are often the worst ones, the ones that are most physically deforming. You don't read about the, hey, I'm, I'm living with it. I'm controlled. Just yesterday, I got my infusion. I was in the hospital for three hours. I got my medicine and I'm good for 10 weeks. And Oh, wow. And so, you know, my life has adapted. It's not what it was before, but it's very, you know, I, I lead a full active life with RA. So the Arthritis Foundation was really important for me. I, I had kidney cancer. I had uh, uh, cancer on my uh, left kidney in 2007. I was lucky. They found it because of the RA. They were doing oh, wow. a test. They found this tumor very early. So it was removed and that was it. I didn't have to have chemo and I reached 10 years. So I'm considered cured, but okay. I work with the American Cancer Society because of that. Cause that was blind luck. Otherwise I might've, if I didn't have RA, <laughs> the cancer might've killed me. <sighs> um, so I work with the American Cancer Society. Uh, I have a good friend who has two kids with cystic fibrosis. So ah. I've become involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Um, I got involved with Operation Smile, who works with children with cleft palates um, through Apprentice and have worked with that. Arnold Schwarzenegger has the after school all stars and he's got me doing a ton of work with them. We, we've done quite a few fundraisers uh, with them as well. I, I work with the Armed Services Arts Partnership. I'm an ambassador and their goal is to use comedy, music, storytelling to help troops transition back from the military into civilian life. And that was something where I'd done comedy. One of my friends was, was a Navy vet. We'd done shows for the troops and they just reached out and asked me to do a show. And I saw the impact it was having. And, and, and again, like I, I, th what they ask of me is not much hmm. these charities and it's an honor to get to work with them. And, you know, I, I I'm lucky that, that uh, I get to work with some awesome charities and feel like I make a difference. But, you know, I'm, I'm not the person who's necessarily in there day in and day out doing the fundraising, but I, I get to try to do things that hopefully are a little more high impact and raising awareness. And it's, it's lucky. And I think I, I just have an appreciation for look, I, what I do is ridiculous. I talk about ninjas. I tell jokes. I hang out with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So if I have a chance to try to give back and, you know, think of medicine in a way of helping people to help them 
through some of the charitable work. You know, it's 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 it, it is as Brian Regan would say, the least I can do. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a very small sacrifice to get to do it, and and again, when you do it, you get to feel unreasonably good about yourself for helping others. So it's you know it's kind of a selfish. Uh, you know, it's still, I think I still get more than I give, uh, for sure in, in doing it with those charities. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you're, you're obviously incredibly humble. Um, but you know, you no, have I'm not that humble. You That's have my life. mom. I think I'm awesome. I think I'm awesome. Ken. I tell everyone. No, I'm but amazing. with every, with everything that you go on, I mean, just, you know, the, the rap sheet of charitable organizations that you partner with in some way, I think is is one, you know, thank you, because uh, I think more people with a platform, uh, you know, could probably do more to help others in need. Um, but I also think, you know, like you said, like you, you get more out of it than maybe you put in, right? Because there, there's yeah. something about like giving back um, in some way, big or small, that like you walk away better for it. Yeah. And again, look, I left medicine. Medicine is a noble profession. Right. I do a navel gazing, self-centered profession where we get paid a lot of money to have people watch us on TV. It is <laughs> it is probably an unhealthy self-fascination, which may explain why I'm not married and don't have kids. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, get, getting to do some of that is is, uh, you know, you, tr you try to balance it. And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. I, I, I think uh, I. Every day I'm, 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 I'm so glad I made the choice to get to do what I do. I'm glad that I've had the, the success that I've had and the opportunities that I've had. It's ridiculous. It is, I have, I'm sitting in a room filled with trinkets and souvenirs and memorabilia from things that I never, you know, thought possible. And it's, it's, uh, I, I think one of the things is I really do have a healthy appreciation for it. I know yeah. I'm lucky and I'm so glad with the stuff. And I, I, I appreciate it. I love, I, I never want to take it for granted. Yeah. How much fun some of the things I get to do are. Oh, it's great, man. Gratitude folks. Gratitude. Yes. Listen up. Well, okay. Last question. We can end on this one. Um, you know, you've got a lot going on. There's a lot in the yeah. cooker already. Is there anything right now that's on your radar that you're excited about? Uh, as far as projects in the future, things that you want to get into. So it doesn't even two, have to be related. To so, okay. Factorious, the the podcast game show I do every Tuesday, a new episode drops. Um, it, it was a game show initially created for TV, but when the podcast mm. boom hit, they're like, hey, this show could be played with audio only. Hmm. So we've done it. It's doing well. We're actually going to try to do a TV version of it. Oh, very and cool. I love games. I love playing games. So to be able to host a TV game show, the podcast game show has been a blast, but there's something about having grown up watching The Price is Right, Sailor yeah. Century, Wheel of Fortune, Joker's <laughs> Wild, all that, to be able to be like Gene Rayburn with the long microphone, to be the thought of being a game show host, I don't know, it's just, it, it's... Uh, it, it's iconic. It, it's iconic. It would really be cool to get to do that. I also um, and then grew the Olympics. up watching the game, the game show network. Oh, yeah. So I, what I, you're I just, I love playing, yeah. I love playing games and like hosting it and feeling like you get a set it up and draw the drum out and have a little fun. And then the Olympics, like work in the Olympics is something where, you know, as an athlete and, and who grew up with all the, you know, getting to watch like Carl Lewis and in, in 84 and, and so many iconic moments and, and to think like, Hey, I'm going to hopefully get to go to Tokyo, be there for the whole time and meet the athletes and, and be a part of this and be yeah. a part of something where, you know, for, and for these athletes, that's their, mo their whole lives have, have, 
led to this one moment, this one performance. And to get to be around them for that and talk to them, that's, I, I think that will be something special. It's the world's, you know, it's going to be the world's platform, especially given what's gone on if the Olympics actually happen. I think to oh, be yeah. there uh, after the, or, you know, however the pandemic is, if we actually get to do it, I think that will be um, another just career defining highlight, just oh, a, yeah. a, an awesome moment. So I'm, I'm hoping that all happens. Awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you. This is this has been a lot of fun. A blast, Ken. I really enjoyed it. I know. I'm inspired. See, look it, at this. You, you have me talk about myself, the really <laughs> humble guy. Just, I'll keep going. I got more me. Oh, it's awful. I, I know. It. It's it's night over here, and now I'm like, what am I going to do? I got to go. <laughs> I got to go push my push my comfort uh, zone. Uh, oh, but no, th- th- this was this was great. And so I know uh, there's a lot of folks who probably already watch you. Uh, but for those who would like to follow you, where, where yeah. can I direct Twitter, them? Instagram, Facebook, all at Matt Eisman, M-A-T-T-I-S-E-M-A-N. American Ninja Warriors on Monday nights. Uh, we got a few more weeks. Uh, Factorious every Tuesday, live rescue every Friday and Saturday on A&E. We're following the first responders. Uh, and then hopefully some more projects coming out. I'm on 25 words or less every so often. So check it all out. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm having so much fun and so much fun. I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So Check it out. Awesome. And McDonald's can sponsor. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll try and get them as a sponsor. Right. Attaboy. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate it, Matt. Thanks, Ken. Then, mommy. You better go ask mommy, daddy. <laughs> so something that did not make its way into the interview that actually happened before. I'm a little, I'm a little upset because <laughs> I know it would have meant a lot to you. Is he had a pretty remarkable showing on lip sync battle. Yeah. You watched the video, right? I showed it to you. Yeah, sure did. How much was his stock increased once you found out that he was a lover of meatloaf? Oh my God. Tenfold. (laughs) When I saw that, and I'm going to post it in the show notes because it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But when I knew that he had chosen meatloaf and share, (laughs) I knew that he would immediately skyrocket to be in your favorite guest. Yeah, for sure. And you know what he said too when I told him that uh, you lo- you're a lover of meatloaf. What he said? Oh well, that means she's a lover of great music. Yeah. Touche, sir. Yeah, you hate when I get on my meatloaf kicks. No, I don't hate it. Uh, and then when you start listening, you're like, okay, yeah, these these are good songs. Ah, uh, that's true. But you're just like, ah. Oh, but when, I can only I handle on radio. so much meatloaf, and I have to be in the right mood for it. Yeah, I guess they're a little long. Yeah, he also loves Harry Potter. He does. Yes, that's the other thing. Okay, that made it in the show, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Basically, he's the perfect guest for you is what this comes (laughs) down to. Yeah, new fan favorite. (laughs) Exactly. But, uh, oh, I'm serious. So I wasn't joking when I said at the end of that one. I think I said in the show. Man, I can't remember what I said because it was it was so long, but so good. He had so many things that he said in there that were just like amazing I don't know, life lessons, yeah. principles, like yeah. things that people should absorb and try to apply to their own life. Lots of nuggets in there. Lots of nuggets, folks. One that I think really stands out to me just because of how big of a leap of faith it was, or rather a bet um, that he placed on himself was, you know, look, if, if I get one life to live and I'm going to take my swings at something, right, I'm going to take a bet on myself. I'm going to do something that I'm passionate about, that I care about. Yeah. Uh, rather than what would just be perceived as like the safe choice, which for him was being a medical doctor. So wild. What a life change. Right? 
Yeah. How tough must that have been? I mean, yeah, seriously. Well, but to his point, he wasn't married yet. He didn't have kids. That's true. So it was, it was easier to do that than for a lot of people. But <laughs> you're looking at me like, okay. But yeah, I mean, going from being, was he in the Midwest? A doctor in he was the in Colorado. Oh, in Colorado. Yeah. And his They're dad's like a LA. well-renowned physician. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, that's not easy to do. And I think, though, that's such a good mentality. Like, you, look, you kind of get, like, one shot at this thing. Unless you're a Buddhist. Then I suppose you could come back as a goldfish or a fern or... Oh, maybe what? Not. We just lost every Buddhist listener. Fact check, Kenny. Yeah, we'll fact check that later. But the point being, right, like you get one shot, like you don't want to live life with any regrets. You know, it's like if you're going to put a bet on something, like put a bet on yourself, like double down and find out what you're really capable of. And if you don't reach your goal, well, then, you know, like there's no regret. Mm -hmm. um, but I just thought that was something that's really inspiring, whether you're an athlete, an entertainer, whether you have some other passion that's always kind of been tugging at you. Podcaster. A podcaster. <laughs> Maybe you've always wanted to be a podcaster. It's been around for like 10 years. <laughs> but I just thought that was that was really important and something, quite frankly, you know, I had to take a step back and say like, hey, am I doing that in my own life? You know? Yeah. And, and so sometimes people aren't. Yeah. And like, so, you know, I look back at my own life and say there's times I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you harbor a little bit of, uh, you know, regret over that. Same for sure. Mm -hmm. What was yours? Was it the date that you turned down after you met me with the other guy? <laughs> Just oh my God, because all my life is, is the people I date. <laughs> what? No, that's not what I meant. No, I, yeah. Like working in my, the job I had in. Oh yeah. Where I, I, there was like, I had so many other interests and I just didn't. Took a safe choice. Yeah. But then I landed my dream job. Which is? Wife and mom. Bam. Nailed it. Baby maker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So he said something else. He said a lot. I have a bunch of things written down here, but I tried to narrow it down to three. And I think this one's like really broad in terms of how it can be applied, but just uh, the importance that he places on preparation. Mm -hmm. And I think there, there, it's very easy. And I also kind of had this misconception to an extent, you know, you look at what he does. He's a host. He's on American Ninja Warrior. He's reacting to what he's seen live. And a lot of that's probably like impromptu. And I'm sure it is. But he even went as far as to say like, no, like uh, I prepare for every episode. I learn as much as I can about these people. You know what I mean? So that like when there is an opportunity for him to like say something impromptu, it's coming from a place of preparation, which is yeah. obviously, you know, makes for a better show mm -hmm. and which is probably a big reason why it's been around now for over a decade. Um, and I really loved his example about The Apprentice. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I wonder who else read his book. Right. Yeah, that would be interesting to know, too. I would. Yeah, I would love to know that. Well, and, you know, I, I didn't watch that season. I really would like to get my hands on it, by Me the too. way. Yeah. But the fact that he said, look, I, I didn't get up. I, I wasn't up for being fired until the very final episode. And he attributed it in large to his willingness to like kind of do the grunt work. Mm -hmm. You know, he said like he wasn't well suited for everything that he went up in. I was shocked that Snooki wasn't the same way. I'm shocked as well. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing I that's associated know when she with got Snooki, fired. <laughs> it's putting her nose to the grindstone, rolling up those sleeves, getting her elbows dirty. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I think that's so important. And I, you know, Times in my life where I felt like I have knocked it out of the park, 
like a job interview. And I've been on job interviews that I did not knock out of the park. But the ones that I did prepared above and beyond. Mm -hmm. I knew everything I possibly could about the person I was interviewing with, the company, Mm -hmm. all potential questions and what would my answers be. Um, You know, and those are the ones that go really well. I think he even said as much. But it's when you go in there and you just wing it, it's like you're leaving yourself susceptible to curveballs. You're uh-huh. probably not going to answer a question, you know, to the extent that you could. Why are you laughing? <laughs> because you're very much like the same as him. Like you prepare in every way you possibly can for almost everything in your life. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. <laughs> like, we got this. How's that worked out for you so far? Great. I told you I'm a, I'm a dream job. I know. <laughs> dream life. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, but yeah, I just, the importance of preparation and you see it in sport, you see it in, you know, all sorts of aspects of just your everyday personal life. But I think I don't, I think people might be surprised to hear the extent to which he prepares for everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Given well, That's that he, because he comes off so casually exact, and like yeah. personable. It, it's not like, I feel like when I overprepare, I'm very like structured and, hmm. you know, but he's like so personable that. It just like, he just sounds like a really good conversationalist. I agree. It looks, and it is, but yeah, it looks probably effortless. But what Mm -hmm. he's saying is no, like behind that is years of hard work, number one. Yeah, but that's also a skill in itself, Mm. like making it look so effortless. That's also very true. Yeah. A lot of talent, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just always love it when you hear, you know, it's like, no, like I put in a ton of work. And then I still continue to put in the work. I'm still trying to get better. I still have, I have not reached my ceiling. Which I yeah. think should be an inspiration um, for folks listening, for sure. Yeah. How are you doing? You're having a pretty rough day. You're <laughs> sleep deprived. If anyone can see you right now. <laughs> I'm, tra- I'm ashamed that I our daughter rides the bus to school now. And I dropped her off at the school bus <laughs> wearing like baggy sweats. One of Kenny's sweatshirts. Yeah, can we talk about your glasses. sweatshirt? Oh, it's got chocolate on it. Oh, well, I was going to say it's a homemade tie-dye sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. It's super sweet. Maybe um, like four months ago. Now it's out. Oh, God. Nobody's wearing tie-dye anymore. <laughs> tie-dye everything. No one's wearing it. <laughs> you know who you look like? Oh. And I got to make sure I'm getting this movie reference right. Oh, no. Have you ever seen like the triplets, the hockey plane triplets? I think the movie Slapshot. Uh, maybe. <laughs> that's That's what you look like right now. Okay. But you look, I mean, like a super hot version of that. Is that a, I, I, I don't. You know what? Don't look it up. Yeah. Actually, on second thought. <laughs> I'm just, just going to go downstairs yeah, and just, nap after this. I'm yeah, like, just go take a nap. Yeah. Forget I ever said anything. Okay. Last one. Because this was a long episode. Um, so let's wrap this up for folks. Something else that I think might be a misconception, right? He's in the entertainment industry. He is a quote unquote leading man, mm-hmm. host. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he said in the show is like, look, one of my greatest assets is, you know, my willingness to uh, be selfless and, you know, having the intent and see, uh, rather seeing the importance of helping um, make everyone else around you better. Yeah. Right. Which in the entertainment industry, I think the perception is, hey, you've got to be the leading man. You have to be the most charismatic person in the room. Like you know, never take a back seat. And he's saying, no, I think that's one of the reasons that I've had the career and longevity that I've had is like, well, I'm easy to work with mm-hmm. and people like working with people. They like working they along with. with. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough, not enough uh, can be said about that. Yeah. 
That's true. I think about it in my day-to-day job. People that I like working with get way more leeway. I pull them into things that I might not pull other people into. People I hate working with, I will go above and beyond to avoid having to like <laughs> interact with you. Yeah. It's the same way, like no matter your profession, if you're everything, an actor, everything you, unless yeah. you're just so incredibly talented. Who's the actress that everyone, there's like, it was rumored everyone hated working with? Like, uh, there's a couple. Um, unsubstantiated rumors. This is my favorite claim to make. So yeah. I think it was, what's her name from uh, Knocked Up? Oh, yes. Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. Yeah. That's, and then she was like so big for a minute and then she just dropped yeah. off the face of the earth. No one sees her anymore. Difficult to work with. I think that it's because she was a bitch. <laughs> wow, hot take. Yeah, but not Matt Iceman. You know what I'm really happy you did? What's that? You asked him if he does the chorus ever. I know. I always want to I thought know you that. weren't going to. And then you did. So I was I was pleased you did that. That's all that's all I ever really want to know. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't tell him that you could do forty pull ups and well dead hang for well, you can't dead hang for thirty minutes, but you dead no, hang for a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And he'd probably be like, Why do you know that about yourself? For a big dude. <laughs> be like, aren't you a grown man with responsibilities? Why are you worried about your dead hang time? Why are you wasting thirty minutes dead hanging? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why do I do any of the things I do? <sighs> so those were three. Three takeaways. Yeah. Overall, let me just say, incredibly inspiring person. Oh my God. He was awesome. I'm trying to remember when. So entertaining. What time? Yeah. Yeah. He, I didn't need to be there. No, I you me- definitely didn't. I don't remember what time of day we recorded that, but I walked downstairs so fired up. Yeah. You were excited. I was like, what can I go accomplish? I, I need you to did accomplish like a something. karate kick move. That <laughs> 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 uh, sounds about right. Or a karate chop maybe. I don't know if your leg was involved. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way to be sure. Um, all right. That was an awesome one. We're going to have to have him back in the future mm-hmm. if he will allow it. He was just uh, so much fun to talk to. Yeah. Um, to with to that, him. as we wrap this up, we've got another good one next week. <laughs> Do you want me to share who it is? Um, no, I don't. <laughs> I'd prefer you didn't. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that's the show, folks. I <laughs> know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Diamond. You, you ask every time and I'm always like, yeah. Yeah, tell us, Kenny. I can't wait to and find this time, out. You're like, no, enough, <laughs> enough. Let well, the and then go. half of the time, it's not even the person you say it's going to be. So. Yeah, but this time it is. Diamond yeah. Dallas Page. That's exciting. The man, the myth, the legend. That was another awesome one. Childhood dreams. Just Childhood dreams, true. folks. <laughs> just relentless uh, pursuit over email, and you too can speak to your childhood heroes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, hey, thank you for listening. This one was awesome, and we will see you next week. See you next week. All right.